and welcome to series two of the DNAD Make and Break podcast in partnership with WPP and the New Blood Academy. For those who don't know, the New Blood Academy is a four-week boot camp designed to prepare emerging talent for jobs in the creative industry. I'm Naina, your host of Make and Break, and we're back with another six-part series helping any aspiring creatives kickstart their career by offering some personal advice from some inspiring industry creatives. I'm your host, Naina. Throughout this series, I've been meeting special guests who are doing some amazing things and chatting to them about different topics, and they've been sharing some insight. So on today's episode, we're going to be talking about success and specifically, what does success look like? So for those at the beginning of their career, the idea of success isn't always clear. And if it is, it usually points to money. So looking at success in this way can be unproductive. And what many people forget to realise is that success is an ever moving goalpost. So for this episode, I'm joined by Stuart Radford, Executive Creative Director at Super Union, and Sophia Liu, who recently graduated the DNAD New Blood Academy. Hi, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you so much for joining us today. I thought we'd uh, start this episode off with you both telling us a bit about yourselves and what you've been up to. Stuart, would you tell us a bit about what you do and a bit about Super Union as well? Sure. I lead the creative team at uh, Super Union. Super Union is a branding agency. and We're lucky enough to work with some great clients such as Coca-Cola, Deloitte, BBC, uh, Shakespeare's Globe. Um, and not only do I uh, have the responsibility of the creative output of the team, I'm also, again, lucky enough to lead specific projects. I guess most recently, uh, the BBC Two rebrand, uh, and prior to that, the London Symphony Orchestra rebrand. Great. And Sophia, you just finished the New Blood Academy? Yeah. Tell us a bit about that. Yes, yeah, so I just finished the New Blood Academy about a month ago. I won um, a graphite pencil for Amazing. a project. Yeah, Congratulations. Thank you. Uh, for a project about period positivity. Great. Before that, I started studying history of art and then I graduated with a degree in the history and philosophy of science. Um, dabbled around as a perfumer for a little bit. Uh, and then I set up a company called On The Mend with my best friend, Matilda. And we look at health um, equalities and ways we can solve them through design. Yeah. Okay, so this episode's obviously about success. We've brought the both of you here today because... I'm really interested to hear how both of you view success. Interesting to talk a bit about how you measure your own success because obviously you've both won awards, which is fantastic, and that is obviously the most uh, the easiest way to define that's mm -hmm. a good moment, that's an achievement. But in what other ways do you guys measure success? Success is something I feel like I've always struggled with personally mm -hmm. um, because... It's a hard thing to measure. Yeah, It's it a is. hard question. It is. It is. It is. <laughs> it's a bloody hard That's question. And like it comes in so many different forms yeah. as well. Um, because, so for example, winning this pencil, doing all these random amazing things that I've been so lucky to do. Whenever you meet up with your friends, they're like, oh, it's so great. You know, you're doing all these so things. So you do this. Yeah. yeah. And they see that Sophia online or whatever that's mm. doing so well. But then you're also like, yeah, but... I'm still living with my parents. I'm not earning any real money to support myself properly. I don't feel like I'm skilled enough, like developed skilled enough, mm. you know. And it's one of those things where you have to really take a step back and analyse each thing you've done individually and say, okay, I'm successful in this area, but maybe not in this area. And I feel like success as a whole is learning to be comfortable with that. 
Yeah. It's it's crazy because it's completely subjective as well. Mm. Do you get that as well, Stuart? Uh, I do, I do. Uh, yeah, your answer was superb in terms of being really articulate and covering the nuances almost of how subjective our perception of success is. Mm. And again, it's really odd because I, I, I hold and view success so intrinsically with design mm. uh, that, of course, I see all of those other things as well. But for some reason, I don't see those as such markers of success. And it's... A, the, yeah, the centre of your success is design-led. Yeah, led. But, it's, but as I'm saying that, I know that that's probably too much, too mm. much in that area. But then, Stuart, do you feel that awards themselves are like good ways to measure success? Yes and no. I think that from an industry point of view, they're one of the best ways in which we can measure good work and mm. great work. Um, I, they shouldn't be your focus as a designer in terms of what we do. Right, I think yeah. you'd, ultimately, I think the focus should be um, about doing what you love mm. and just following that through. And if, if you're good at doing that, then you get the recognition of awards or indeed other forms of you know, mm. recognition. Especially for someone who's starting out, their success might be driven by money goals. So obviously yeah. you're trying to get a job, you know. Mm. Maybe yeah. if you've just finished uni, it's like looking at a way to find income, and especially somewhere like London. That's vital, especially if you want to move out and stuff. So have your career goals, both of you actually, from when you were younger till now or throughout your journey, have your... Has the definition of success changed for you guys? Yeah, I mean, so I'm, I went to a state school in Croydon. It was a very good state school, mm. but back then, all I wanted to do was get those straight A stars at yeah. GCSE, at A level, blah, blah, blah. That was all I was focused on because I'm from, you know, partly a Vietnamese refugee family and mm. then also like an Irish working class family and was always told, you know, like, the grades never in a pushy way, but always told you know like grades are important exactly exactly, yeah. exactly, and and they are incredibly. But um, for me, it was all about that number, all about that that statement on paper, mm. you know. Then I went and did a foundation year art school, which <laughs> completely yeah. threw, threw everything out, and I really learned to just chill out a bit, you know. Mm. Um, and in that time was when I learned, oh, actually, I'm creating better work now when I'm not worrying about how I'm going to be marked, how I'm going to be graded. Interesting, yeah. And then it suddenly shifted to like, I can still do well, but by being passionate. And I think when you're still young and you're not quite sure what direction you're going to go in, mm. you're very much just focused on, okay, well, I'll just do well in the standard that other people have set for me. And then you get a little bit older, or in my case, and you find, actually, I can set those standards, excel at them in my own way, and that mm. can be success. So it's definitely changed for me. In terms of the monetary thing, like... I have struggled so much with that because especially at the stage of your career where when you're starting out, that first award seems to be, you know, wrapped up in a package like it's everything. Like mm. you get that and then all these doors will open. But in order to do that, in order to apply for all those things, you need to dedicate a bit of time. And I was so lucky that I could live at home, that I had a little bit of a part time job to support me while I worked on my entries and all that kind of thing. Mm. But I'm aware that not a lot of other people have that. And it's so difficult trying to find that balance of, yeah. I'm not as bothered as the money, but I need it. We all do. Yeah. So how do you 
get that tone kind of right. And yeah. I'm, still, I'm still trying to figure it out. Of course, I'm yeah. I think that's really interesting what you just said about the, um, when you take the grades away and you take the like, I guess, statistics and figures and numbers and in that term of success, you felt like you were um, exceeding and doing better. Is that right? Yeah. That's interesting. So weird. Stuart, would you say that's the same for you in terms of your idea of success and what was driv- like driving that success was changing throughout your career? I'm not sure that my measurement of success on myself has, has necessarily changed. Mm. I just think the things I obviously want to achieve are, are quite different now, maybe from what they were, I don't know, 10 years ago. Mm. Again, classically in the context of work, I guess I the thing I enjoy about so-called success and achieving success at work is, is to be honest, more the overcoming of a challenge mm. to, to get that moment of success. But it's the learning that you have and the development that you go through in overcoming that, that I that I really enjoy mm. more so than I've not been particularly good at celebrating those moments of success. Mm. I just enjoy the process of getting there, mm. and sometimes that's quite uh, painful and quite challenging. Um, but I enjoy that bit of it yeah. a lot. Yeah. Can you talk us through maybe something? Uh, you know, a situation where you've come across quite a big challenge, yeah. and then overcoming that is one of your great successes because especially for people starting out listening to this podcast, they're going to be facing these. And I love what you just said about, you know, overcoming a challenge and yeah. being a success in itself. I have always had a quite a healthy chunk of self-doubt mm. <laughs> um, that has never sort of disappeared. Just all is, has always existed. Mm. Um, it's got better as I've got older. Um, but I don't necessarily think it's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. in terms of it's really helped drive me um a few years ago we uh, were asked to pitch for a rebrand of a of a tv channel mm. um at which point my all of my background predominantly had been in like print design so i hadn't really done a lot of moving image uh we went for the pitch um we had like hardly any time to do the pitch and we had a, two or three weeks to do it we managed to win the pitch mm. and that was a kind of like s- scary process in terms of I didn't know that we would actually we be able it. to, to yeah. do it then we got it and then we had a really tight time frame to deliver this whole rebrand and the learning curve involved in getting my head around a whole new kind of medium mm. was like there were more there were mornings that I woke up thinking Jesus are we actually going to get this done in time yeah. But as much as that was like super challenging, it was super rewarding. And, mm. and the learning curve was so steep, you could almost feel it. Like every day you, you, you kind of like could see the progress in the work. Uh, and, and also that understanding in terms of um, picking up all of the stuff I needed to from a technical point of view and stuff. Yeah. I think everyone suffers from a bit of self-doubt. And I think it's beautiful when you... It's success within yourself. Um, so, Sophia, you've done a lot of things. Um, looking at your career history or just personal things that you've been up to, what would you say is one of your biggest achievements or biggest successes up to here? Definitely setting up a social enterprise with my friend Matilda was mm-hmm. probably like the biggest, oh my God, what are we doing kind of thing. And I would claim that as a success. 
Um, Because we started out just doing it for fun as a a project at Tate, writing letters to people who were lonely in hospitals Mm. or who were potentially lonelier in hospitals. Um, And then we distributed those. We had 500 letters and we distributed those around the country to hospices and homeless shelters and long-term hospital wards. And then we just decided, wow, like, let's really make this a thing. Like, the, the work is, you know, rewarding let's do it ourselves and then eventually we um for our second project we got contacted by the imperial health charities and we did a project with them where we converted their hospital collection into perfumes Mm. and we did that to help patients um recovering from stroke and also dementia patients to talk about their memories in a slightly different way right and we were doing it along the wards we're talking to some incredibly positive people and we went there thinking oh this amazing design project is going to help them but Mm. actually I came away learning so much about their positivity and the way they viewed the world and in particular we went to the neuro rehabilitation ward and I met this lady she can't have been older than 30 and she'd really recently had a stroke and was recovering she'd been there for about six months and we'd made loads of different perfumes all based on different scenes so there was floral scenes there was one of an orchard um but she loved the one that smelled like london dirt and she's like this is my favorite smell and wow. we, we were like oh what why did you say this and she said i've been in this hospital for so long i forgot what outside smelled like mm. um and it was at that point where i really realized wow you hear about the design industry changing and a lot of work being done for social good and Mm. how that can be more of a focus than a sideline to a lot of the projects nowadays and to witness it yourself from something you'd made with friends you'd met along the way just for me was a real moment in my career I was like wow I can actually do something yeah do you think this focus on defining success contributes to how we view failure failure is just as subjective as our views around success yeah if you keep it's fine to fail then you just carry on and you learn from that and move on Mm. if you stop if you stop i guess then it becomes a failure but if it's part of the journey to get to the to the success then it's kind of fine Mm. um and you can kind of apply the opposite of that to success because you know with failure if you stop then then it is seen as a failure but the same with if if you just sit sit pretty with your first like achievement and just mm. don't really go anywhere from there like that could equally become a failure as well it's like mm-hmm. a weird little scale yeah. but yeah like a hundred percent they do factor into each other because with success it's all about I think success is always equated with positive and people don't necessarily find those positives in failure I remember like this post by by somebody really stood out to me because she said I got fired from my job today and then she was saying how you know It's not too bad a crisis, like I'm still young, I haven't got a mortgage and children to look after. But so often on LinkedIn, people go, and I'm I'm guilty of it as well, like Mm. super honoured to have taken part in this podcast or done this or done that. (laughs) And so so often we forget to go, oh, today we lost the pitch or, you know, and and it's trying to rebalance it in a way. Success is a positive thing, of course, but so can failure and the same it can be negative as well. Definitely. So. Okay, so what I've been doing every episode is we've been asking our guests a few questions from our new blooders, so via Instagram and social media and Twitter and so um, The first question is, how important is it having connections? And we did speak about this, but I believe that it's good, but it's not always necessary. It's what not, do you guys think? It's not always necessary. I just think it makes your life 
easier. Mm. You need to do that in a way that is that suits you. I mean, mm. some people are really outgoing. Some people are a little bit more shy. I think you have to find your way of getting that to work. Yeah. But it is super valuable. And the sooner you start building those connections, like the better. Mm. And then just keep collecting them. But But like I say, in a way that feels natural for you there's no there's nothing worse than somebody approaching you and it doesn't feel genuine yeah it's horrible yeah mm. and genuine is the word there you can always tell even if it's like um someone who hasn't got in touch with you in years and all mm. of a sudden it's like a facebook message hi how are you by the way really interested in what you wanted <laughs> yeah. to do in design can you help me like yeah. and, and it's a bit like whoa it's so transparent yeah you know and I said it before, but I'll say it again, like we are all people and design is a very people-centered profession, no matter what you decide to do mm. with it. And I think connection is such a broad term, like there's professional connections, but there's also like to be a good ad creative and especially a good strategist, you're looking at people's behaviors. And that means making friends with as many different people yeah. from as many different backgrounds as you can, because then you're getting all these insights that come naturally to you through your interactions with your friends and, and your family and all these other people than just seeing them all as a stat on paper. Mm -hmm. That in itself is also a connection as well as like a, can you give me a job or do you have an opportunity? Like seeing, seeing the opportunities in everybody and seeing how like their opinions can also be flourished in your own work and, and hopefully vice versa as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. How did you get through the early stages of doubting your ability? <laughs> Again, still Never. getting through. Yeah. <laughs> doesn't really ever go away, to be honest, because you should be always pushing yourself further. I think. I mean, that's not to say that I'm encouraging self doubt mm. uh, or doubting your abilities. Uh, and again, people are all different. You know, some people some people suffer with that more than others. Um, but from my own experience, it's it's been useful for me in terms of driving me forward. Um, it's not to say that it's not been a bit uncomfortable here and there. Yeah, of course. But, yeah. but it's, it's, it's fine. It's, it's part good. of life. It's, it's part, it is part of the process. It's part of being a human being. It's part of the and process. And if you can flip it in a way that you have and used it as a positive yeah. to push yourself even further, that's the best way to yeah. look at it. I totally agree with that as well. But one thing I will add, especially with people at the early stages of their career, is that that self-doubt can just be so detrimental because it's before you're earning, it's before you're owning anything of your own like award-winning work creatively or even just working creatively as mm. a designer. And I think so often at this point, especially with new graduates or people who just, like I do, just randomly got into the field, you can get to a point where you're like, am I taking part in this club which I just shouldn't be joining at all? And I think it's taking that self-doubt and reminding yourself that that's the very reason why you should be doing it, you know? Yeah. This last question is very interesting. Uh, especially within creatives how important is it to specialize in a medium and can I be a jack of all trades but I think it comes back to what you enjoy doing if you yeah. get if you get your rewards from doing all that different stuff then great but for me I get the I guess the reward has come from as best I can trying to hone a set of skills mm. uh, in a certain area what would you say Sophia Mine's a bit different because of the nature how I found design because mm. they talk a lot about the T-shaped the design thing, you know, like having a broad experience of a lot of different things and then honing your craft in one. And I would say it took me 
about five years to figure out exactly what I wanted to do. Still mm. don't quite know. Um, but, you know, in between that, I was a nail artist, a perfumer, did voice acting, like all these random things. Yeah. And I wouldn't say that any of that, for ages I thought, being a designer, I was like, oh, I've wasted so much time, you know. My mate over there is like able to Photoshop a bus in a background of a lake and I can't do that. And Does that mean I'm going to fail as a mm. creative or whatever? And you really wrap your head into it. But really recently I've realised everything you learn, you can apply in some sense to what you're doing. But yeah, you do need to have that one focus. And that can still be vague, you know, yeah. like design is still a vague thing. It doesn't have to be, oh, I'm perfect at kerning. That's my thing. I'm going to be kerning mm. or or whatever. Like it can still be design. Yeah. Before I let you guys go, we've been asking all our guests on each episode to give one key bit of advice. So this episode's all about success and how you define success. Stuart, with with your, all your experience, what would be the one crucial bit of advice? And obviously, Sophia, with especially what we've spoken about today and everything you've recently done, do you guys have like a nugget of information you can give our listeners? I'd love to give five or six. Um but I think the most important thing to do is just to not feel any of those perceived pressures, but make sure you know what it is that you enjoy doing and make sure you find an environment, a place that's going to support you and give you those opportunities so that you actually genuinely get the right rewards from doing what you do. Mm. Um, I think, you know, your first job particularly is it's fundamental isn't it in terms of shaping your uh, experiences and it's in a very informative time um so for me it's about just staying true to what you love doing and i guess the first thing is just knowing what that is yeah mm. and 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 making sure that you are true to what it is you enjoy doing and not all of the other pressures that exist and i think there's a lot of pressure when comparing your success to others and that's something you should steer clear of yep. that would be like a big piece of advice for myself is mm. that your journey is your journey for a reason and yep. there's no comparison to yep. anyone else so, yeah 100% yeah. agree with both of those I guess I'd just say what I said earlier like don't have a dream job have a dream mm. and it's 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 all about you know knowing exactly what you care about and how that fits because and I guess this goes back to the whole theme of the podcast but on the Academy, we met so many people who'd done it before and then landed some amazing jobs in these amazing agencies. And they were like, yeah, this was my dream, everything I wanted. Mm. And then it didn't quite work out or it wasn't how it perceived to be. And the goalpost shifted because it was no longer, oh, I equate myself with this title of what I want, but actually, what did I actually want? Like, yeah. really know your limits and how you would want your ideal workplace to be and then try and find that and try and find those values represented in the different opportunities, not yeah. the other way around. Thank you so much, guys, for today. That was our final episode in this series of Make and Break. Thank you to all our guests across the series. Today it was Stuart and Sophia. We hope you found some helpful insight, tips and advice for working in the creative industry. I've been your host, Naina. Thank you very much for listening. 